You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe who helps people who feel far from God to know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're also a diverse tribe who welcomes everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every age, race, and walk of life. So whether you're a longtime Christ follower or a spiritual investigator, we hope you're encouraged through our content. Enjoy today's teaching. Great to be with you guys here in the cameo and those of you that are worshiping online. And, you know, I want you to think back to when you were a kid uh, out in the yard and you're about to play sports or games or whatever. And in my neighborhood, it was kind of like that movie Sandlot, you know? And so we were going to pick teams for baseball or for football or whatever we were going to play that particular day. And two little dudes would stand up as the captains of the proverbial teams there. And then they're going to start choosing. And, you know, we're all lined up there and we're hoping to get picked. But the thing I can remember going through my head when we're getting picked is, is something about my identity, see? Because sometimes I would get picked like in the middle of the pack or whatever, and depending upon who was there, I might get picked later or I might get picked earlier in the thing. But every time, no matter where I got picked on the team, I would think in my own mind, you're not worth being chosen. You ever have thoughts like that? I think you're not worth being chosen. Well, then fast forward to another encounter or change channels in your minds that uh, I could hear through a screen door some people talking and I heard my name brought up. And you know how you do when you hear your name, you're not you're trying to be discreet. and You're like, what's going on in there? What are they saying about me? You know, and here's what I heard. It was Doug. He's stupid. He's just stupid. Well, a person that said that has nothing but love for me. And don't we all sometimes say things in anger that we wish we wouldn't have said? And so it makes me want to really be careful about what I do say because what I do say in anger that I may not mean may land on someone. And that's what happened with me. Those words, he's stupid, landed on me. And I lived that out for many years of my life. Um, Today, when you came in, you got a little card. And I want you to take those cards because we've all had these life scripts or negative life scripts or what we would call word curses. And so I wrote on my card on one side, I wrote the word stupid. And what I want you to do right now without looking at your neighbor's card, I want you to write the word curse that comes to your mind. Maybe it's stupid or ugly. You may even have to use some cuss words in it. I want you to get real because how many of you know, if you don't get real, you won't get restored. And so we got to be brutally honest and raw on those things. And also, if you got someone nosy next to you, just cover it with your hand, right? Because you know those nosy people. So let's look at your own um, cards there and write those things down. And as you guys are writing those things, what I want you to understand is, is throughout this series, through the New Testament book of Ephesians, we're going to overcome these negative life scripts and these word curses through the truths that are in Ephesians, we're going to go chapter by chapter through this little New Testament book. Now, one of the things that you've got to understand about Ephesus is that it's a real historic city. When you read the Bible, you're not reading a fairy tale, but you're reading about real places with real people and their real problems. So much of the New Testament is is consistent of letters. So Paul was a pastor and he wrote letters to different churches in different real life cities. Now, if you were to go to Ephesus back in this day, uh, people would have worshiped 
um, these different gods who were there. They worshiped Diana. Diana was worshiped in Ephesus. She was like this sex goddess there. And worshiping Diana involved like porn and these temple prostitutes and these chants of very inappropriate stuff. And then other people would worship Dionysius. Now, Dionysius was the god of wine and drunkenness. He was not the god of like an appropriate glass of wine at dinner, but it was all about getting drunk and the, the uh, excess and these pagan chants and uh, wrong practices. And what happened was to the Ephesians that they kept chanting this stuff in these pagan worship experiences and they got negative life scripts on themselves. Wrong views of their identity and who they are. And so our primary weapon against these negative things is the, the, the word of God that's contained in, you know, it's in the Bible. And that's why when you came in today, you got one of these. This is the little New Testament book of Ephesians. And so during this series, I want you to bring it back every week and you can write in it. You can take notes in it. You can underline verses in it. And we want you to bring it back every week. Now, if you look in the very last page there, you'll see a stamp, a city tribe stamp there. And every week you come back, you'll get a stamp, right? And if you get, you come every week during the series, you'll have a total of six stamps. And if you get all six stamps, you get a puppy. <laughs> I wanted it to be that, but probably wouldn't be a good idea. But uh, actually, you won't get a puppy, but you can, you know, we, we, we may feature you on our social media if that's okay with you, if you wanted to do that. But we want you to come every week and get your stamps in here and take your notes in here. And we hope this is helpful for you. Now, before we study the Bible together, I understand that some of you are new to church and you're like, hey, why do you guys think that the Bible is trustworthy? Why do you want to go to it for your life and believe that it's accurate and all of that? Well, one of the many reasons, and I'm going to give you a nugget of reasons why we trust the Bible every week during this series. But for today, I want you to understand that there are other ancient historians that validate the truths that are written about in the scriptures. One of them is Josephus. He was a non-Christian Jewish historian, and he validates that not only was Jesus a historical person, but he validates a truth that you'll read about in the New Testament book of Ephesians. And that is that it's not just Jews that get to be God's kids, but it's also us Gentiles who are non-Jews that get to be God's kids. That's the great mystery that we read about in the book of Ephesians. And then the second historian is Pliny the Younger. He was actually a non-Christian Roman governor. So he wasn't just a historian, but he was a governor. And he affirms the truth that the Christians would not worship the image of the emperor. And we see that truth in the New Testament, in the last book of the Bible, Revelation. We studied through Revelation last year. You may want to go back and listen to that one. But then next is Tacitus. He was a non-Christian, uh, actually Roman historian, and he affirmed that Jesus was executed by Pontius Pilate, just like the Bible teaches us in John chapter 18. And then he also affirms that the early church increased in number just like we read about in the early parts of the New Testament book of Acts. But after Tacitus is Thallus, and he affirms that darkness came over the earth and occurred during the crucifixion of Jesus. We see that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke's accounts in the Bible, and that occurrence is actually affirmed 
by another historian, Thallus. What are the chances, what are the numerical odds that the earth would turn dark during the daytime when a particular man was crucified? That's an interesting coincidence, isn't it? So not only is the Bible historically reliable, but it's practical for our mental, emotional health and for how we live. And here's why. Because all of us live out what we believe to be true about the world, and all of us live out what we believe to be true about our own identities and who we are. And so this overarching big idea for our series is simply this. We want to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. We want to step up. We want to walk in this new manner worthy of the calling to which God has called us to. And so that big idea in light of the truth from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, is simply this. Live up to your identity. Some of us have been living down to identities that we've been given by other people or that have just been in our minds, but we want to live up to who we are in Christ, see? And I've got this therapist that I talk to from time to time. I think therapy's dope. I think everybody should go to a good therapist. Don't go to a bad one, but go to a good Christian therapist. And what my therapist does is he will correct my words. He'll catch me on things I'll say that are not in alignment with my identity according to the scriptures. And when he helps correct my words, that helps focus and align my thoughts and my thoughts align my actions. You see how it works? It goes words, thoughts, actions. And Ephesians helps us align not only our words, but our thoughts and our actions to operate in Christ. So the overarching big idea is that we want to live up to our identities, and each week there will be a big idea from that chapter. And since we're in chapter one of Ephesians today, we're going to look at this idea, and it's simply this, I'm chosen. And here's what I want you to tell your neighbor. I want you to tell him, you may not think so, but you're chosen. Go ahead and tell him. And I want to show you why. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. It says, even before he made the world, God loved us and did what? He chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. And look, even if you've not yet believed in Christ, he wants you to, to believe and be chosen by him. And he wants to see you as holy and perfect. Now, today, I'm going to show you three facets of being chosen in Christ from Ephesians chapter 1. Look at number one, the chosen are predestined. The chosen are predestined. I got this from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 through 6. It says, in love, those first two words are very important, in love, he predestined us for adoption as sons, and I would add, and daughters, through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. And so we see that we're predestined in love. And when you're predestined in love, when you talk about predestination in love, you're not so much focusing on who's excluded, but who's being included in love, see? And so I could geek speak you on theology about predestination and the followers of Calvin who are all about predestination. And they have this little acrostic, you know, where they talk about predestination. It's the tulip 
thing where it's like total depravity, unconditional predestination, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and perseverance of the saints. And the people that are on the followers of Calvin's side of the equation, they're all about predestination. They're all about God's sovereignty and election and God's role in our salvation, or that is entering into a relationship with God. But they had a group that argued with them, and they were from the group uh, led by Jacob Arminius, and they're all about free choice. It's like not so much about being predestined, but it's about, hey, you choose. You know, it's your choice to come into relationship with God, and we're Americans, and we like choices, don't we? And so a lot of people are drawn to that. But if you read the Scriptures, I think what you see, if you want to boil it down, is a little bit of both. See? We know that from, from the Old Testament Bible, like in uh, Joshua, he says, choose you this day who you will serve. There's a choice there, right? Paul says we persuade men. If there's no choice, then why would you try and persuade anyone? But then on the other side of the equation, we also know that there are things in our lives that we're not in control of, don't we? There are a lot of the advantages or problems we've had that were not our fault or we weren't in control of them. And that's the thing we don't like about predestination is we don't like being out of control in something. We don't like someone to have control of something that we do not. And I learned a little bit about this from Malcolm Gladwell. And even though this isn't a Bible book or a Christian book, he has this book called Outliers where he talks about people who are wildly successful. And most of the time it was because of things that were completely outside of their control. So he talks about elite hockey players. And you know, the one thing that elite hockey players like Wayne Gretzky have in common, their birthday, they were, uh, in their grade, they were born earlier, they were older, and that gave them an advantage because they were a little bit bigger and a little bit more developed growing up in little league hockey, I guess. And then that served as an advantage for them to get better at hockey. And so most of the elites in that sport had an earlier birthday for their grade. And then it's true in the world of tech, too. The people that had the most influence on our computers and the like grew up in the 70s, maybe started having their success in the late 80s and 90s and into the 2000s. So people like Bill Gates and those tech titans, the one thing that they have in common is that they had exposure to computers and programming at an early age. Back in the day, some of you are old enough to remember when everybody didn't have a computer at home. Now we have one in our pocket, but these guys had access to programming and computers at an early age that was not by their own choice and not because they had earned that access, but it was given to them and it gave them a leg up and an advantage. It was something that was outside of their control that allowed them to dominate in the tech world. And so as I read through the scriptures, I would see in the gospels where uh, Jesus would say to his disciples, I chose you. You didn't choose me. And I would think to myself, well, Jesus, that just must mean that those disciples, you know, I read the Bible these days, you know, and I would say, well, what makes me think I'm chosen by you, Jesus? Because remember my, my little microscript that I used to say in my head, I'm not worthy to be chosen. And I would say those guys were chosen, but how could I know that I'm one of the elect, or how could I know that I'm predestined, or how can I know, know that I'm chosen by you? And it was like he was reading my thoughts. And I went in my God time to this passage in John. It's in chapter 17, verse 20. I want you to look at it with me because someone needs to see this verse today. Jesus says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, 
but look at the next part, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Who's that? Me. <laughs> that's me. That's you. We believe because we read in the holy inspired word of God in the gospels that we could come to him and we can be chosen by him. So the way I'd like to think about predestination, I got it from my Greek professor in seminary. His name was Dr. Munn. And Dr. Munn said salvation or coming to a relationship with God is kind of like the door to a room of salvation. And on the outside of the door, it has a sign that says, whosoever will choose to come in. And once you choose to walk in, you open that door, you walk into the room. And now that you're inside the room, you look back at the same door, but it has on the inside the room, a different sign, which says predestined before the foundation of the world, you are chosen. That's how salvation works. See? So look at number two, the chosen have an inheritance. The chosen have an inheritance. Look at me at Ephesians chapter one, verse 11. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. So what, what you got to understand is, is his plan is for his chosen kids to embrace their inheritance. We're going to see more about that in just a minute. But as I think about inheritance, um, I think about this guy named Max Melitzer. And as you can see a picture of Max on screen, he was homeless and estranged from his family. And then his brother passed away in New York. And his brother left all that he had left, the whole estate, to Max. The family didn't know where Max was, and so they hired this private investigator, and the private investigator found Max in Utah, homeless, living on the streets. And he explained to him that you've received this great inheritance from your brother. I think it was somewhere in the neighborhood of a little over $100,000, and that makes a big impact in a guy's life, right? How many of you would like to inherit $100,000 a day? It wouldn't be a bad thing to do, would it? But anyways... He, 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 it was this feel-good story. Like on the, all the news feeds, you know, you would see this story about homeless men receive this great inheritance, and everybody was happy about it. And then I read this follow-up story about Max Melanson. And it turned out the rest of the story was that the family was waiting in New York for him to come and receive the inheritance, and he never showed up to get it. Isn't that sad? But can I tell you something exponentially more sad are people that are in Christ that have a great inheritance, spiritually speaking, and never step into it and receive it. A lot of us are living like people that are spiritually, you know, without anything. But the reality is, no matter what your income level, spiritually speaking, if you believed in Jesus, you have a massive inheritance that we are all being challenged to step into as a tribe, as a people. And so look at the next truth here. This is number three. The chosen have God's power. We have God's power now. In a couple of weeks, we're going to talk a lot more about this power. But look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Paul's praying, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, 
the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. I want to stop there for a minute. We'll read the rest of it in just a second. But you know, our inheritance isn't just like, it's not so much just money, but it's the holy people of God. You are my inheritance and I am your inheritance. And I believe this is why one of the schemes of the enemy is to keep people from gathering and keep people from being a part of the tribe and keep people out of smaller groups we call tribes because he knows if he can rob you of being with the people of God, then he robs you of your inheritance and he keeps you in spiritual poverty away from what God wants to give you. And look, we may not be by this earth standards, mega wealthy people, but we have each other. And when we have each other, we have not just what we need, but more than what we need. We have people that we can stay with and people that can encourage us and people that can help us up when we fall down and help us get back up when we struggled and relapsed and the like. See, we are each other's inheritance, right on? So that is a great rich. Uh, a great inheritance. But look at verse 19. It says, and this, and his incomparably great power for us who believe that power is the same as the mighty strength he extended when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. Notice it says above every name, because when his name is invoked, it releases power that's actually far above any powers in this world. See, And we know that that is the name of Jesus, isn't it? There's power when his name is released, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and tongue confess that he is Lord. See, there's power in his name that makes the enemy flee. So I've got this friend who works for a billionaire. And when he walks into a room, he can invoke that name and everybody wants to gather around, right? He, he's kind of, it's kind of funny. And then uh, when he's at a party and the billionaire's there, everybody wants to get around the billionaire and, you know, and get to know him and talk to him. It's this kind of thing. So recently I got to go to this little dinner. My friend invites me to this dinner and I'm there with a lot of wealthy people and the, the billionaire guy is there. And I lean over to this other Christian brother, friend of mine. And I'm like, dude, I don't know how I end up in these rooms, in these places where I just don't belong. And you know what he says to me? He says, Doug, your boss is the king of kings and there's no one in this room that belongs here more than you. Right? And you know what he's doing? He's speaking identity into me. See, because I can I tell you something? When you believe in Jesus Christ, he'll get you into whatever room he wants you in. That's the way the king works. See, he gets you wherever you belong because of your identity in Christ. Can I ask you a question? How many of you raise your hands if you have an ID, photo ID to get you into your job. Bunch of you, yeah, photo ID, that's good. Get you in. How many of you have a passport? U.S. passport, bunch of us have passports, good. How many of you have like a driver's license, picture ID? Good, good. All those forms of identification give you the benefits therein, allow you to drive, go in and out of the country, stuff like that. 
this little book of Ephesians looks kind of like a passport, doesn't it? And when you read about your identity, it'll get you into places you never dreamed you could have gone. See, that's your identity in Christ. You have a great inheritance. Now, I want to go back to our note cards for a minute. And I want you to cross through the old you. I want you to cross through the word curse. And then I want you to turn your card over. And I want you to write, I am chosen. I'm chosen because that's your real identity. And as you're writing those things out, I'm chosen on one side, crossing through the old words. I want you to put this on your nightstand or put it in your car or tape it up on your mirror in your restroom to remember your identity as a chosen child of God, because I have to keep being reminded of who I am as an adopted child, son of the king, right? It's kind of like Prince Friedrich, who was married to Zsa Zsa Gabor. Do we remember Zsa Zsa? I'm always wondering why that name didn't catch on. You know, someone needs to, you know, name their baby girl Zsa Zsa. Well, anyway, Prince Frederick, Friedrich, Frederick, he's from Germany. He, uh, he lost his wife, Jaja, back in about 2016. She passed away. And so along with his wealth, he got piled on top all of Jaja Gabor's wealth, right? And she, I think, been married a few times. So uh, she had a ton of wealth and he gets it all. Well, he didn't have any, like, kids to pass on the title of prince and inheritance to. So he, he's going on this show. It's a docu-series on A&E called Adults Adopting Adults. Did you know that? Like sometimes adults will adopt adult children. And that's what happened because Prince Friedrich didn't have anybody to receive his title as a prince and all that wealth. And so in comes a guy named Kevin, who's 27 years old. And so Prince Friedrich adopted Kevin. Some of you are like, I'll apply for that job. My parents are nice, but I can move on now. You know, I, I can move on. <laughs> and so this dude named Kevin is now adopted. He's an adopted legal son of Prince Friedrich. And now he receives the title as a prince and all of Zsa's wealth and all the prince's wealth upon his life. See, but that is nothing compared to your spiritual inheritance in Christ and your title as a chosen daughter or son of Jesus Christ and the spiritual wealth that he gives you. And sometimes I feel like a random dude named Kevin, but what Ephesians tells me is that I'm something more than that, that I'm a chosen son of God and so are you. And can I tell you that adoption is a big deal in our household? And the reason is because my wife Jeannie was adopted as a little girl. And in re, you know, a few years ago, we did a little research and a little bit of detective work to find Jeannie's biological mother. But we found it too late because in 2017, her biological mom passed away. And we consider that a blessing that we didn't get to meet her, you know, in person. We really wanted to, but we, we just felt like it was maybe God's protection over us. Because during that time when we found her, 
her dad, Jeannie's dad was in the process of dying of cancer and we had a lot going on. And then from our research, we found that Jeannie's biological mom uh, really had a hard life. And so that could have brought a lot of stuff into our family ecosystem that we just didn't need during that time, you know? But Jeannie has always considered herself blessed as an adopted girl because she was adopted by a warm, loving, God-honoring, scripture-teaching family. And here's what they did when she was very little. I brought a picture of little Jeannie when she was a little girl, when her parents would tell her that she was adopted. And here's the way they would say it to her. They would say, little Jeannie, you're adopted. And what that means is that we chose you. And look, when it comes to being adopted, don't worry about all the theological geek speak of predestination. What you need to understand today is that you're, you're adopted. And that means he chose you. He chose you. See, Someone needed to hear that today. And you know, the good news is, is that he's still adopting kids. You know that? And he adopts little kids and even adults he adopts. And today's someone's adoption day. So what do you say we pray and just welcome you in in your adoption ceremony? As we bow before the Lord, perhaps you just want to say to God in your own heart, as he's saying, I want you to be my kid, you say to him, okay, God, I'll be your kid. And God, I acknowledge I've sinned, and I know that sin is serious. But in this moment, the best I understand it, I choose to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin. And he rose again from the dead to give me new life. God, welcome into my life. And I step into yours. If you just prayed that and you'd like me to know it, I want you to look up. I want to tell you something. You just prayed to receive Christ. Look up. You're chosen. You're chosen. You're chosen. You're chosen. You're chosen. Yes, you are. You're chosen. You're chosen. Will you receive that today? Now, as we continue in kind of an attitude of prayer, I want to tell you a brief story. As an adult, I was at a meeting with a group of pastors, a retreat, if you will. And there was a real smart guy there. He had his earned doctorate degree, very brilliant guy, Dr. Jim. And he heard my story about believing I was stupid. And he pulled me aside. He grabbed me by the shoulders. And he looked me straight in the face. And he said, Doug, you are not stupid. And something changed in me when he did that. And I believe that God has me here to be a Dr. Jim for you today and let you know something. Some of you need to hear, you are not stupid. You are not ugly. You are not worthless. You are not a screw up. And when someone spoke that over you, I know they used another word that starts with an F that I'm not going to use at church, but that is not you. You are not a hopeless case. You are not a mistake. You are not a slut. You are not a pervert. 
You are not a perpetrator. You are not disqualified. You are no longer a victim. You are not damaged goods. You are not too old. You are not too young. But look me in the eyes. This is who you are. You are chosen. Anybody receive that today? You are chosen. And so, Jesus, we just want to tell you now, all this is possible because of you. And we just receive it and we thank you for it. We didn't get adopted by just a prince, but we got adopted by a king. And you're not just a king, but you're the king of kings. And so we consider ourselves so privileged and honored. Like, it's amazing that you would adopt us and give your life for us. So we can't thank you enough. All credit and glory and honor due to you. We give it to you in, in your name, Jesus, we pray it. Everyone said, amen. Awesome. Well, uh, as we wrap up today, just a few things I want to let you know about. There'll be folks down here in front of the stage to pray with you and outside at the tent. So if that would be helpful for you, by all means, get some prayer. And next week, we're going to go to chapter two of Ephesians. Bring your Ephesians passports back and we'll look at how you're a masterpiece. Did you know that? You're a masterpiece, bro. I'm telling you, okay, I can't wait for next week. I'm about to explode already. If you guys could handle it, I would go into it right now. But anyways, next week is going to be a masterpiece. Also, tribe orientation happens today. Now, remember, you don't want to be kept from your inheritance each other. And some of you have come around for a while, and today's the day to make it official, right, that you're going to be part of the tribe. So uh, at 1 o'clock, during the 1 o'clock service, right next door in the cafe, go through tribe orientation. It's a brief class that helps you uh, learn about and embrace uh, what the vision and mission is here at City Tribe Church. Now, this Wednesday night, middle and high school students, I'm, I'm your youth pastor now. I'm going to be with you Wednesday night. And here's what I'm doing, middle and high school students. I'm giving out $1 per Bible verse that you can quote. And you can't quote that verse, Jesus wept, okay? Uh, you can't do that one. That one's off limits. And there's a $5 limit, okay? I ain't made of money around here, all right? So just, uh, but I want you to know the word of God. And so I cannot wait to hear our students memorizing the scriptures. There was a young lady in the previous service, you know, before this one, and she's memorized two verses and she's so excited. And so she's gonna quote them. And others will do that too. So I can't wait till Wednesday. Middle and high school students right here in the Cameo Theater. We start at 6.30. It should be a lot of fun. And then also I want to remind you about our tithing. You know, a lot of people wonder, where do I start on being generous and giving and stuff? And by the way, if you're not a Christian or don't buy into this or you're new here, we totally understand we're not like begging for your money or anything like that. That's not what it's about around here. Our hearts are to give and serve and love people. And we, we say we want to be generous like Jesus was when he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And people say, well, where do I start, you know? Well, I like to point people towards Matthew 23, where Jesus himself said to the Pharisees, you should tithe. And tithe means what? Tenth, right? Because you should tithe, yes. And don't neglect the weightier things like justice and mercy and faithfulness are important too, right? And so I say that's a starting point. And uh, then from there, we just say, God, whatever you want us to do, you know, I just want to be obedient to your spirit and what you're telling me to do. So there are four ways to pull that off here at City Tribe Church. You can by mail, just look at the PO box number on screen or text to tithe or go to our website, citytribe.church slash tithe. 
And then you can also go to the giving stations that are located by the exits. And so let's go ahead and stand up together for the benediction. And if you're with your crew, put your arm around someone that is next to you. Now, you can't prophetically put your arm around someone. Like, I know guys are like, I prophesy that you're going to be my lady. Don't do that. That's creepy, bro. Okay, but if you're with your crew, you're good. Put a hand out in the position to receive. Dear brothers and sisters, as you walk from here, obliterate those old curses, those word curses on your life. They're gone now. And now, because of the power of the cross, you walk from here in a new identity in Christ. Walk from here living up to your new identity. Walk from here knowing that you've been adopted, and that means he chose you. And you walk from here with the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, power over the enemy, knowing that your boss is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and you represent him as ambassadors to a world that desperately needs his love and his life and his light and his good news. Go from here and take the good news to a world of people that desperately need it. You're so loved. We'll see you guys next Sunday. Peace. We're glad you were a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, Check the City Tribe YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, or our website, citytribe.church. May you go from this podcast knowing that you are loved.